Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I've got a great show for you today, and today's show, I'm joined by Charles Carrillo. He's a real estate investor, entrepreneur, and advisor. Charles, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, MC, for having me on the show today. It's great to be here. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, so I started investing in real estate and multifamily in 2006, and I grew up in a real estate background. My dad was a uh, full-time real estate investor, so we instilled your favorite thing, cash flow, into me at a young age, and I didn't really, uh, it didn't really come to terms with me until... I came to age of getting out of college and actually people were working nine to five jobs. And I was like, well, my dad never had one of these. So it was uh, the power of cash flow. And, um, you know, I kind of bought property, smaller ones starting off and then uh, went into commercial. And now with our company now, we, we focus on larger properties and uh, syndicating them with other passive investors. So you purchased your first multi-property around about 2006, just from doing a, doing a little bit of research uh, on you before our interview. What was that environment like? Uh, maybe you can talk us through that because I feel like we're almost going through similar territory right now uh, just by looking at the markets this week and what's happening in the global economy. And I mean, we've got uh, the coronavirus that's obviously taking hold and a footprint across the globe. We've got back and forth oil, a quote unquote oil war between Russia and Saudi Arabia and so forth. There's a lot of different things going on, but 2006 was interesting too. And then if you don't mind sharing, what was that like and, and share with us what happened as you, uh, as you grew your business through that crisis? Yeah. So this was, uh, my dad had kind of instilled on buying a property and we, we, what we call now house hacking. This was a three family property. I didn't even know the term, nor was it mentioned to me when I did it, but that's what we did. We, we stayed, you know, I was living in one floor, rented out the others. You know, it's the difference from now from then was that first of all, we purchased that property. I imagine it was a, it was a, 30-year mortgage at 6.5 interest rate, which is much higher than what we've seen in years in the United States. And uh, it was, you know, it's, it's a, it gives you a lesson when I talk to new investors now and they're like, oh, you're being, you know, we're, we're underwriting properties a little differently than, than newer investors because we went through it before and had underwater properties. And that's a great thing about renting out for cash flow and not flipping and not being a speculator is that you can kind of weather storms much easier if you buy them and they're actually cash flowing assets and if you're actually making money or, and covering your expenses. So uh, we did one in 06. That was the one you're, you're uh, you know, the first one. And then we did another one at the end of 08, which we got a much better deal on. And uh, I think the, my third one was at the end of 09, which was a mixed use property. And we kind of stole that from the banks. It was, uh, th- that was crazy at that time. No one was lending money. And um, I think it was December 09, we closed on it and I had it fully rented out in two or three months. It was completely vacant. So it was quite the, quite the rehab. I look back on it later and I was like, wow, that's, that, was, that was quite the value add on it. It's much different than what you see people doing now where they're just you know, putting a little lipstick on and then trying to refinance it or sell it. Right, right. And then what were some of the big lessons that you learned through that crisis? Because obviously you were in the real estate space. You saw it happening uh, firsthand. What, what were some of the things that you saw? What were some of the lessons learned? Um, 
buy in better areas. Not that we were buying in D property areas or anything like this, D class areas, but we were buying in, um, I have one property that at the time was in C minus. I would buy uh, from now, what we do now is we buy in C plus areas and above. It doesn't really matter too much about the condition of the property. We can, you know, we can always fix that. It's much more difficult to change the neighborhood. So buying in better areas and um, do a little bit more in-depth uh, underwriting. Back then it was, um, my dad was a back of the napkin kind of real estate investor, which worked perfectly fine for him. But it's, uh, especially when working with other people's money, you have to, you really have to go through in what we call like a 12 tab, you know, Excel spreadsheet. And you really have to go through and make sure your numbers can weather any type of storm and also stress test it, which is something where, in simple terms, it's um, what your you know what your vacancy can be, which is normally you know eighteen twenty five percent, and still make your you know make your mortgage payments and uh, get people paid. And then that way, if there's any type of issue, if there's pullback, people can't pay their rent. You're still paying your bills, and you know you let your investors know, hey, this is you know we'll be back on track here shortly, but um, you know there's not going to be payouts at this time, or we're just going to be doing the preferred return. So. The 1% grow their business and investments every year, regardless of the economy and marketplace, and pay very little or no taxes legally. Besides having the right mindset, elite strategies and tactics, and the counsel of elite wealth advisors, coaches, and mentors, they have access to opportunities that the rest of the population do not. If you're an accredited investor, we have a network that provides Cashflow Ninja listeners access to exclusive business and investment opportunities. To join our investors network, please apply at CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. Gotcha. And uh, you guys have self-managed properties. What what would you say? Because that's one of the things is a lot of folks get a get a professional property management company to take that over. What were some of the reasons that you guys decided to self manage the properties? You know, in the beginning, it was something my father had always done, and he had probably over a hundred units himself uh, without partners, and uh, he self managed. He obviously had superintendents and contractors he worked with, but he was a big proponent of that. And we, we self-managed for about six years. And the great thing about self-managing, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. We were living so close to the properties. Um, so it made it much easier. Uh, it's not for everybody though. I mean, if you have a high paying job, we were self-employed during this whole time with another business. So you, you have a little flexibility on time, you know, showings and stuff like this. Would I have uh, self-managed as long if I did it again? No, I wouldn't. I would have done it for two or three years and then taken it off my plate and outsource a lot more activities, uh, such as you know your landscaping, snow removal, all that stuff. I would have done a lot earlier, which we did later on. But it was something where, in the beginning, you just kind of you don't really know, and you haven't put together your team. So it wasn't a mistake. There's stuff I learned from there that I will always keep without me throughout my real estate career. But you know, it's uh, different people. You know what I mean? Different people should self-manage, I think, and some people shouldn't, especially ones with high paying jobs that are demanding, you know. I think one of the pros too is if you do self-manage a property initially and you find yourself there, is that you know, you know, after managing that, eventually when you outsource that, for example, to a property management company, you know kind of what the numbers should look like. You know, maybe they have some economies in scale and cut cut down some costs for you because of the size of of, of of their portfolio of all of the properties that they manage but 
you kind of know your property inside and outside and you're not going to be fooled by any, you know, stories that, that, that you're being told, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the one benefit as well is too, is if you're a new investor, you're coming in, you're, you have a good property management company. Now you have access to all of their contacts, leads, handymen that you wouldn't have access to. Maybe they've been doing it for 20 years. So you have access to all that. So you're not paying, as I like calling like yellow pages pricing, you're going to be paying yeah. like handyman pricing. So that's one of the huge benefits of getting a property manager and um, we've talked on the show what a key uh, player, a property manager can be in your in your real estate business because of what you just said, the the access to their basically their Rolodex and the economies of scale with the size of the portfolio that they have um, and so forth. So what does a good deal look for you guys right now? First, what are you, uh, what markets are you in? What are you seeing? And what are some of the, the, what would a good deal look like for you currently? So we work with partners and we focus on the whole Southeast United States. My company in general for partners, uh, for properties that we're reviewing, it's, it's in Florida and we have all through central Florida. So everything from Tampa all the way across Jacksonville are the main markets. And we go a little north and south of that. We're looking for properties now. I mean, we've changed our criteria. We wanted to go with larger apartment buildings. We're now down to smaller. Our, uh, the last one we closed was 59 units, which isn't small, but, but it is by syndicator standards, smaller. But um, that's where we're finding deals. You have to be a little bit more creative. And um, even with the pullbacks, we've seen the stock market and stuff like this. And um, a lot of brokers have contacted me after that. And they were saying that one broker I spoke to yesterday had seven listings that were taken from them. And the uh, owner said, we're just going to refinance now. We're not going to sell it. And um, he was saying the same thing happened back in 07. They refinanced it. Obviously, they're taking out more money. There's more debt. There's a larger payment now. And there's, it's a little riskier for the owner. So I'm not sure what we're going to see in the next couple of months coming, but what we're looking for is C plus and above property uh, areas, like I was saying. So C plus to B properties that we can do a little value add to. And we like holding them for longer term, not just the traditional three to five years, which kind of that's been a little lengthened now because everything's kind of slowed down a little bit. But um, we'll slow down the, the, uh, the increases. The uh, growth has slowed down a little bit from different from, you know, 2013 and 2016. But um, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking for. Multifamily, anything, you really 40 units and above. Stuff that's under 40 units, we'll look at, but we usually will just take that in-house and purchase it. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. You mentioned value add. What are some of the strategies that you have in place for value add and adding value uh, to properties? Well, the traditional value add is going in and you know adding a new kitchen, add a new bathroom, and that's and those are all great things. If we're dealing with properties that are C class or C plus and B minus, they're probably a little bit more dated. 
So there's going to have to be a little bit more upgrades to mechanicals. When we're talking mechanicals, we're talking, you know, hot water heaters, we're talking HVAC systems, uh, stuff like this. When, you know, other things we're doing too is minimizing the turnover. And that's a huge thing that I think is overlooked by a lot of, a lot of value added investors where they just want to jack up rents. You know, they want to put $4,000 in, they want to jack the rents 50, 60 bucks a month, maybe more. And that's where they want to stand. They're not really worried about the turnover, which is something that just goes from having, as we were talking about earlier, the good management. And that makes a huge difference with keeping your tenants. Um, and that, I mean, any landlord, the largest, the largest cost isn't, um, you know, it, it's, it's having the turnover and it's having to make ready on that unit. It's having to pay again for, you know, renting it out again, paying the leasing person again. Those are the most expensive things. So if you can minimize it, it's kind of a hidden benefit where you can add value, you know, increase that NOI. Gotcha. Absolutely. Uh, risk mitigation for today. So we've seen the rates drop again. <laughs> so that's what's going on. Maybe you want to comment on that, but also what are some of the strategies that you have in place to mitigate risk in this environment and maybe you can speak about the markets too, that environment, how competitive it is, because we've seen that there's a lot of folks entering the multifamily space and, and the, the particular those size properties. Yeah, there's a ton of buzz right now around multifamily. And I think investors are going in and uh, I speak to some that reach out to myself and our company and they just have questions about it. And a lot of people don't have, they're trying to maximize their down payment and buy the largest property and they're not having reserves. Um, they're also getting into risky financing, which is not something you want to do. Really, even a veteran investor, unless you know what you're doing, meaning going into hard money or for commercial, we call it bridge loan, uh, bridge loans. But the thing is that you really want to have long-term fixed rate debt, and then you also want to have reserves. And more reserves, not just reserves for the work that you're doing, right, for the value add for what we call the capital expenditures or CapEx, but also for... Uh, you know, to weather a storm, if something happens, hey, you know, you've got three roofs and you thought, you know, one of them is going to be fine and um, it's not. And now you have to change that one as well. And this type of stuff, I mean, running out of money is a huge thing for real estate investors. And there's a long period in when you purchase a property, even if it's considered turnkey, there's still stuff you have to do. I mean, it's not going to be, if you buy and you say, oh, I believe it's stabilized and, you know, the bank says it's stabilized. Well, the bank's not the one that's on at the end of the day. You're the one that's signing on, on the note. So it's something where you have to make sure that that property, you have ample reserves, which can differ depending on the age of the property. But it's something where anything that happens, you can weather that storm. You can keep making your debt payment and you can get that property up and running again. Because it does take, depending on the size of the property, I mean, it can take a year plus, two years, sometimes three years on large projects to get them stabilized where it's cash flow, monthly cash flow as you like. Absolutely. Do you mind walking us just through the process too of from uh, finding properties to acquiring them and then what does it look like for you guys and how do you operate? Yeah, so what we do is we we look for a whole spectrum of different properties. So I know we were speaking earlier and we do uh, throughout different markets in Florida and we, uh, we do a direct to owner marketing, not direct to seller. It's direct to owner and we're sending out the people that aren't even planning or having listed their properties. And that's usually, we're getting smaller properties with that. And those are ones usually that we plan on taking down in-house. Um, for the larger properties, once you're getting over, say, 60, 70 units, maybe even a little less than that, you're going to be having to deal with brokers 
that have the listings on those properties. So it's really, we have one guy at our firm that works with brokers and it's a very intense process because you have to stay in front of the brokers to get the properties. You have to show them that you can close. In a lot of cases, I mean, it's just going crazy um, over the last couple of years mainly. It's just that there's so much money coming in and for Florida, so much out, out of state money coming in. People don't really know exactly what they're buying. They're paying a lot for it. And for investors that are, I guess, uh, a little bit more savvy in the sense of our underwriting and kind of have an idea of what to expect after purchasing it. Um, we have to, you know, we have to put in offers that we feel are competitive, but they're not really at compare when the seller looks at them and says, no, I've got somebody that's paying a lot more for it. But those kind of properties come back on the market when we have, you know, true recessions come through and they're trying to, re- you know, they're trying to refinance it or something like this. Um, after we acquire the property, we will go through and we will, um, we'll start working on our business plan. So we'll put a business plan together of how we're going to add value to the property, what we're going to do. Um, usually that's new management. It's probably using different vendors and contractors than were previously used. It's going through and finding out if expenses were too high and, and just figuring out the inefficiencies of the property and making it run like a business, like every type of multifamily property is. So. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. You've been involved with a number of businesses, right? Starting one in college and so forth. What are some of the things that you should have in place uh, before scaling out a business and growing that business? I think one of the things is like similar to when we when I started in real estate, which was I, I you know, it's a whole self-employed mentality. It's you, you got to take stuff off your plate as soon as possible. And it's a lot easier than people think. I think they're like, oh, I don't want to train someone to do. And it could be something even minor in your business. Like I can handle, you know, writing this content or I can handle uh, this web design or whatever it might be. And um, just taking that off your plate, even if it's saving you two or three hours a week, it's something that really adds up. And you can, you can really spend your time on the high value, um, the high income producing overall lifetime income that's coming um, with certain activities. Like speaking to investors, that's a high, you know, that's a lifetime, that's a high income activity. You know, dealing with updating some code on a website or editing a, a podcast or something, it's, it's a very low value. You know what I mean? It can be done. It's very inexpensive. So getting those things off your plate or number one and uh, keeping track of what you do in your business. So even if you're not systemized, you know, even if you're not planning on scaling it right then, you actually have some sort of plan of what your system is and you can pass that to someone and then now it gives you steps. Hey, this is what happens when, you know, when we get a lead comes in, this is where it goes. It goes into this CRM, you do this, you do that. And when you pass it off, now it's all, you've already documented that. And it's very important. So absolutely. That's, uh, that's great, great uh, stuff right there. I mean, I think people should be tracking what they're doing every single day and stuff that, you know, as, as you were just saying, that are, that's not high value and not income producing, that's going to, that has to be taken off your plate, right? And outsourced and so forth. And there's many different ways to do that. We've interviewed folks sharing everything from VAs, executive assistants, uh, and, and so forth. So uh, definitely, some, definitely something to, to take a look in. In the real estate industry, 
and especially if you've done some of the property management yourself, there's some interesting stories. What are some of the interesting tales and stories that you can share with some of our listeners? It's amazing. You don't know how people operate, I guess, until you become a landlord and like the extent of how crazy people can be. And uh, the nicest tenants you think that move in are the ones that you end up having to evict a couple months later. You know, we had someone that drove through a, drove through a property of ours where, and uh, like at, it was like at 10.30 a.m. And I get a call from the police and they're like, hey, do you own this house? And I was like, oh, this can't be good. And there's a car that had gone through it. You know, we've, we've had stuff where when we self-manage, we did a lot of what they call now cash for keys. And just the stories of you would have and say, hey, you know, we'd give you money to move out, stuff like that, which is a tactic that's used in lower C-class and D-class properties, which does work. So anybody that's interested in those properties or does own them, uh, utilize that before evicting someone if you can. It's amazing. Just anybody that's ever been a landlord or managed anything, I mean, this, the stories and stuff that people happen and people that do and the extent of how crazy they can be, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. And, and, that's the, and the reason why I asked that too is that there's, there's so much. It's not just all rainbows and unicorns. And there's, there's a lot. I mean, it's very entertaining years later, right? And that's why I always say to folks listening to our show and watching our show is, you know, if you're going into real estate, guess what? Some people don't. Some people don't pay rent. <laughs> they don't. Not only don't they do they not pay them not on time. They don't pay it. Period. Uh, they might damage the property. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on. I mean, you just alluded to one. There's several other stories that I've heard just like that. A car going through the the property. So there's there's a lot of stuff um, that that goes along with that. So this isn't, you know, as I always preface it, especially when an asset class becomes hot, is that this isn't necessarily for everyone, right? Just because a lot of people are doing well and making great money in real estate, it all depends on the type of investor that you are, right? Um, because the risk isn't necessarily in the investment, it's in the investor regardless of what you're in. So there are folks making great, great money and great monthly cash flow with properties off from properties that people had that were losing everything that they had basically on those properties, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's just a lot of it comes down to the poor management. So it's so important when you're looking at, well, have your team in place when you're looking for property. That's that's very important. But you know, part of that, a huge part of that, probably the most important is having the management, having management that knows your property. So if you have, if you're talking to a management company that handles A-class high rise, they're not going to do well with <laughs> negotiating when a car drives through your property and having to talk to the tenants. And they're not going to be good with dealing with C-minus tenants that don't pay. And they're going to try to be evicting them right away. And it's the lower the tenant you're dealing with, the the more you have to bend the rules to get paid. And that's another thing that people don't understand with it. You know, when you're dealing with B-class tenants, you're dealing with, uh, you know, your normal people that work during the day, 40 hours a week, stuff like this, and um, professionals or soon to be professionals. And when you're, the lower you get, you're, they're, kind of, they're kind of writing the rule book as they go. And you kind of have to put your foot down certain things, but you also have to kind of work with it where it's different from getting paid late to not getting paid at all. So you kind of have to make that distinction how do I want to do this? Do I want to keep this person or do I want to you know, evict them? Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, 
market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Yeah, and it goes back to understanding and knowing who you're serving and who you're providing housing to, right? Because the, you have Nordstrom, uh, you have your Targets, and you have your Walmarts, right? A Nordstrom client is different, or a, a renter or a tenant is different than a Target, and a Target is different than a Walmart. So they're looking for different things, and there's different things that's important to them. So it's very important to understand the difference between those three, because if you're offering you know, uh, let's just say uh, Nordstrom quality or level type of management services to, for example, the, the Walmart kind of uh, uh, level of tenant, they're not interested in that, right? They, they want different things. So it's very important to understand who are you looking to serve and who you're providing value for and who, you're, who your business is serving um, because, yeah, Otherwise, there's going to be a little bit of a disconnection there, right? Exactly. Quick question for you. One habit I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're always studying and learning new things. What are you currently studying and learning? Um, learning how to focus more on what I'm, I'm, what I'm working on and kind of um, end goals. And um, you kind of, uh, years back when I went and I said, I'm going to do, you know, go full time into my real estate and put other stuff kind of on hold or put stuff to the side. And I, I sold a bunch of different ideas and projects and, and business I had. And it was kind of, you really got to focus on what you're in, in anything. It doesn't matter real estate, cash flow, whatever we're doing. It's just whatever you do, you have to, the progress goes where you focus. You know what I mean? So where you, if you're focusing on something, that's where you're going to find progress in your life. So find out what your goals are and, um, and focus on how you're going to get to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, Charles, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Uh, I say the first one... Um is is focusing on your goals as i stated i would say the second is aligning with like-minded people and i say a third is the power of passive income cash flow and not only just for making more money it's also once you get older you realize that the time freedom is probably most important and then the ability of you know scale with the passive income is probably secondary so uh, you mentioned passive income there a little bit, and we've talked on the show before that there's active investors and there's passive investors. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit too, the, the differences between the two, because those are two completely different routes, right? And they are different routes for different people with different goals, what, what they have. Maybe some comments on that and something you could speak to that. Yeah. So um, active investors would be pretty much what, what I've been speaking about. Um, and just to be an active investor doesn't mean that you're on the property uh, fixing faucets. Um, you can have property management and stuff like this, but you're still doing for, you know, for properties that we have weekly calls with the property management company. On some of my smaller properties, I'll probably be getting emails here and there throughout the month, which are not major, but you're still having contact, right? And then when, the, when, they, when you get the call and says, hey, you need a roof, 
and all that, then it kind of comes into now you're, you know, you're spending more time with it. The passive investor who are, you know, part, who are investors that we partner with now and raise money with is that um, to buy multifamily is we are, they are completely hands off. And, and if you've ever invested and I invested passively before in deals and it's, it's, I couldn't believe it how we, you know, easy it was because you're dealing with the active investor. They're the ones doing the calls to the property manager. You're bringing the funds, your risk is limited and your time is limited and you get a monthly report, kind of an idea, usually from different operators. They all differ in how they do it. Um, that say, hey, this is what we're doing. It's usually one page and then they give you copies of bank statements or something like this. And that one page gives you an overview and you can literally review your investment in three minutes uh, a month. You know what I mean? And then they send you out a, uh, a tax form at the end of the year, a K-1. You hand that to your accountant. And I mean, literally after you've done your due diligence and invested, your, your annual time that you spend on an investment is less than an hour. It's, it's pretty crazy. So it's great for busy people that have money that don't have the time. And it's, if, you're, if you're in a high income uh, profession, you have a high income business you own, don't go the active route unless you really, really love it and you really want to do it full time because you'll just drive yourself crazy. You're starting a whole new business. It's easier to partner with someone, whoever they are, do your due diligence on them partner with them that have a proven strategy, a track record, um, a business plan that you can kind of just latch onto for a minimum down payment without having to worry about, hey, next month, are they going to ask me for more money? Is something going to go wrong? Is someone going to move out of my property? All that kind of stuff. Charles, where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you and where can they reach out to you for more information? Sure. So I have a podcast called the Global Investors Podcast and you can get that globalinvestorspodcast.com learn more information about it. Um, our real estate investment company is harborsidepartners.com. Yeah, that's the two main places you can reach out. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and uh, providing so much value for my listeners and my viewers. Thank you so much, MC. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.